All right. Hello. Hello. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Twin Sisters edition with your host, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We're back again for March. We are back for the month of March. And it's been a whole year of pandemic. I know. You know, it's really hard to believe that it's been a year because a year ago, I think we were all thinking, oh, this will pass in a couple of weeks. I know. No one had any clue. It's been really interesting looking back and reflecting. Yes. Yes, it has been. Lots of reflection. So my ward, well, both of our wards um, are now back to two hour block church, only it's not two hours, it's an hour and a half. Yes. So you can clear out before the next ward gets there. Yes. And so it's been really interesting just seeing what people around the country are doing. I'm getting the impression that this back to full church schedule thing is a Western United States thing. Yes. But maybe not the coastal. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe not California. Washington and Oregon. from what I hear, I think... Almost everywhere in Idaho, wards are going back to... Yeah, and Utah as well. And Utah, the two-hour. Um, I think they're starting in places in Arizona from relatives I've heard from. So it's been interesting. So here's my observation. We've been... We're on our third week. This Sunday was our okay. third week of the two-hour block, which is now a one-and-a-half-hour block. So do you do a 50-minute sacrament, 10-minute pass, and a 30-minute uh, lesson? We do 45-minute sacrament, Okay, 10-minute passing time and okay. then what's left 45 well I no because you no. would you 35. would have 35 minutes yes. left 35 okay. minutes for the second hour okay so <laughs> the i feel a couple things the wheels are very slowly grinding back into motion with okay like callings and things you that know? is very true we're very out of practice there's like a whole heck of a lot of callings to fill yes. especially in primary where they haven't had to Phil Collins yeah. for a year. Um, the other thing I've noticed is an hour and a half church is perfection. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it sounds like really crazy because we used to have three-hour church. I know. And then we went to two-hour church and we thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. We only got two-hour church for a brief period of time. Brief period of time. Now that we're at an hour and a half, I'm kind of like, you guys, maybe this is one of these COVID things that we should not change. <laughs> there you go. You know why it is? Because when we did two-hour church, that second hour was so long for me because they cut out the announcements. Yes. And um, they cut, even cut out opening prayers. You just went straight to your yeah. class and you sat down and you got into it. And yeah. I remember that hour feeling so long. And, I do too. And now that that second hour is 35 minutes, I'm like, this seems more manageable. Well, it, it does. And it gets to the point in the lesson where I'm like, it leaves you wanting more, uh-huh. but not like the other lesson where you're like watching your clock right. going, are you done? Yeah. It, are you done? It feels like just enough for that second hour. Exactly. Sacrament meeting feels short. I think you always want to leave them wanting more. Yes. Yes. I think that's true. Sacrament meeting feels shorter. I wouldn't mind another 10 minutes on sacrament uh-huh. meeting, but I'm okay with it at 45 minutes. Because see, we do, we do a 50-minute sacrament, 10-minute mm-hmm. pass, 30-minute lesson. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so, so yeah, that's where we're at. My word primary Interesting. primary is all meeting in the chapel and the primary kids are sitting with their teachers 
on rows spread out, oh. somewhat spread out. Oh, that um, is very I interesting. Think part of the necessity of this was they don't have enough primary teachers. Oh. <laughs> so they're just doing one singing time slash good old-fashioned sharing time all together in the chapel. See, in my ward, they divided them back mm-hmm. to junior and senior. Okay. And so one week, the junior primary gets their singing sharing time while the uh, senior primary goes to class and they flip it every oh, other okay. week. Okay. So... Interesting. So yeah. yeah, there is no nursery. Which again, I find a bit <laughs> unusual because in my ward, oh yeah, we are full bore You're with our nursery. nursery. Our nursery is not functioning. I don't think they have figured out how to handle the COVID, the COVIDness of <laughs> the nursery situation. Well, apparently there is COVID in your nursery, but if you travel 10 miles to my neck of the woods, there's no COVID over there. Yeah, which is fine. You know, I have one in nursery, but he's my youngest. So, yes. of course, I'm like, oh, sure, he can stay with me. Exactly. You know, <laughs> at the rate at the rate you're going, he will he will completely never have the nursery experience. He, he might not get much nursery. And he will go straight from being with mom to primary. That's going to be rough. <laughs> because he turns three this year. So he will be primary age in January. Yeah. We, we got to get on this nursery I, I situation. I think that there is a very strong possibility he will never go to nursery. It's like a nursery dropout. Because I don't think we're going to be done with this anytime soon. Yeah. It'll be better, but not done. Yeah. So, so it's been interesting to see how things are, how things are falling yes. back into place in different ways. Speaking of COVID, I did my part to be a good global citizen today, as President Nelson encouraged us to do. I got my first dose of the vaccine. Yay! And you're feeling good? I'm feeling just fine. In mm-hmm. fact, the I uh, the the shot didn't even hurt. I mean, he's jamming it into my arm and I'm like, a pin hurts more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was in and out and it was pretty quick and you know, thus far I haven't had any adverse reactions, but I generally do pretty well with shots and I know everybody says, "Oh, the second shot." And I got the Pfizer vaccine. I know everybody says, "Oh, the second Second shot is worse, and that's where people mm-hmm. get the side effects. Well, last year I had the shingles shot, and the shingles shot is a two-part shot mm-hmm. that's given about 90 days apart, I think, 90 or 60 days. And everybody said, Oh, you get the second shot, and you're gonna feel like you had the flu for 24 hours. So I scheduled my second shot for a Friday so that I'd have like all mm-hmm. weekend to recuperate. Crickets. Nothing. Hmm. So, you know, and I realize everybody's different and I'm, I'm kind of anticipating the worst with my second shot for the COVID. Again, I'm going to schedule it for a Friday so that if I feel lousy, I have the weekend to recover and it doesn't interrupt my work schedule. Um, so I'm going to expect the worst and hope for the best. Hopefully, but maybe this is your superpower, a high high resistance to. To immunization. <laughs> well, I already have a high pen, pain threshold. <laughs> and I have, I, I don't know if that's from my years as a prosecuting attorney or being a mother to my children. It could be a combination <laughs> of both. I'm the opposite. I can't even handle a flu shot. Oh, dang. <laughs> but it's okay. I will get the COVID shot. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to take, but I'm expecting it to fully take me down. Oh, well, see, <laughs> there you go. We'll see. All right. Well, should we do some stories in the yes. news since that's... That is the purpose of our podcast yes. is to discuss members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Let's, that's her in the news. Let's 
get on that. Okay, first one we have. This is a brand new one. Fresh, oh, yeah, this is hot off the press fresh tonight. Fresh off the press published today. This was by, by um, Jenna Reese. Okay, I feel like every time we podcast, we are talking about a Jenna Reese story. <laughs> we and we kind of have a... I mean, I want to say it's a love-hate relationship with Jenna Reese, but we're we're definitely not always all in. We're not always all in, but she's always writing the interesting things. It's true. <laughs> and so. I, I will let you talk about this one because she brought up some interesting things in this one yeah. that left me going, oh. This one was super interesting. Yes. So this just came out today. Um, this article, and she recently had a reader that wrote into her um, that said he'd been selected for an internal survey from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, we've talked about surveys on here before. Yes. I have much survey envy. <laughs> My husband used to get picked for surveys for multiple years. He was on the church survey list when we lived in Oregon, and I was not, and I had super survey envy. I'm just one of those people that like give me all the polls and surveys. I want oh. them all. I, I hear you. Well, I, but I've never been picked, but your daughter has been picked for a church survey. Both of my daughters. They oh, did they a both. They, they did a really interesting thing. And I think it was just with our stake. I think we might have been a pilot stake. I'm not really sure. They had the kids, um, they first approached them maybe when they were 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. And my teenagers have done, I think, three different surveys. They have surveyed them, they followed them for the course of, I don't know, five, 10 years, however long. I'm not really sure because I don't recall when they did their first survey. And to see what, you know, where they are at in their church belief, mm -hmm. the inf the things that are influencing them, and as the little carrot that they dangle to make the kids complete the survey and be honest in the survey, they give them Amazon gift cards. Uh, yeah, she was telling me that, and I was like, what? They did not give my husband a gift card for well, doing his survey, but he was, of course, glad to. He's like, yeah, survey. Well, yeah. And I was so jealous. I was like, get me on the list. Okay, so, so go ahead and talk about what the this, reader said to Jan This Reese. new survey. So this reader wrote to Jan Reese, said, I've been selected for this new survey for members ages 18 to 35. Would you like the inside information on what they're asking me? And oh. of course, Jana Reese was like, um, yes, please. <laughs> screenshots, my friend. <laughs> so um, he did. He sent her screenshots where he could of what some of the questions were. And she, of course, was very interested in this because she herself participated in a research project several years ago. I don't know if you remember. It was called the... Do, 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 next Mormon survey that oh. she did along with Benjamin Knoll, who must okay. be some type of researcher. And they had done this survey five years ago, um, specifically trying to target how young adult Mormons were feeling judged within the church. Oh. So, and other issues amongst young yes. adult Mormons in the church. So she had done her own survey. So this was like of particular interest to her to find out what the church is asking. So in well, her article... And I think it's well known. Isn't the church having a retention problem with their 18 yes, to 35-year-olds? I think that came up in her survey. Okay. I think she, um, they had some statistics on that. Um, so in this new survey that the church sent out, um, she pointed out four interesting points that, okay. that she thought were noteworthy of what she had observed from the questions okay. that this reader had sent her. So the first thing she noted that was interesting is the survey does not assume that everything is awesome. Oh, so the and survey makes no assumption that you're active and go to church no, every week. And she said, this is kind of an, um, 
new territory for them. She said past surveys from what she's known about them mm-hmm. are very prone to being answered only by very active yes. um, people. But Which is going to skew your results. Right, right. But this survey, of course, they used anybody that they still had in the system. Okay. Obviously, you wouldn't be in the system if you've completely removed your name from True. the church records. But if they had an email address, and it said that in the opening, like... Um, you know, paragraph Mm -hmm. asking them to do it. It said that it asked people to participate, even if they have had negative experiences or opinions to share. Oh, please still share your opinions, even if they're negative. So she thought that was very interesting. Well, that then opens it up for somebody Uh to go, you want my negative opinion? I'll tell you my negative opinion. Right. So she actually gave a couple of the screenshots of a couple of the questions that she thought were interesting. Um, One screenshot that um, she shared was about LGBTQ issues. And um, some of the questions that they asked, uh, they really wanted, she felt like they really wanted to get the level of how much this is bothering. Like one of the questions was concern that church leaders do not support the LGBTQ community. There was, I don't have a concern. It bothers me a little. It bothers me somewhat. It bothers me a fair amount or it bothers me a great deal. So it's not just, does this bother you or does this not? They're really trying to gauge the level of does this bother you? Um, So she thought that was interesting. Uh, Observation number two is she could tell from the question that there is a concern about judgmentalism within the church. Um, There were judgmentalism within the church. Whatever might you talk be talking about? Right. There were multiple questions geared towards that aspect of it. Do you feel judged? Do you feel misunderstood? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, the note number three um, that she noted was that there were a lot of possible ideas that seem to be on the table for future change. Now, that is the section that yes. I found completely fascinating. <laughs> Particularly in regards to young adults and okay. YSA wards. Um, some of the questions that were in there or things that were brought up in the survey uh-huh. that are just like completely wild out there ideas that you can tell the church is trying to feel out. Yeah. One was, do we need YSA wards at all? Okay. Um, one thing that was thrown out there was, could the second hour of church include alternative options like community service, socializing over food, small group discussions, life skills training? These are very like out there ideas. They are way that like that is like that is outside the right. box. Has anybody checked with the correlation committee? I don't know. I can feel the correlation committee might have a stroke over some of I these don't know. ideas. And clearly we don't know if these will be implemented, but they're feeling these out. Which is fascinating. It is fascinating. One more um, thing that they were feeling out, could we call more leaders who are single themselves and decrease oversight by married members? Now that is an idea I can wholeheartedly get yeah. back. Because while I certainly appreciate the emphasis that the church places on family Uh values and families, I think that, um, you know, for anybody who happened to watch uh, President Holland's Roots Tech uh, thing that he did with his family, where um, he went down to St. George and he was with his wife and his kids, and they revisit some of his old stomping grounds and talk about family memories. He says at the very end of this, and I, I wish I had gotten the quote because I loved it. He says, we need to stop focusing and using the word uh, traditional family 
we need to focus more on eternal family. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, if we could get the word traditional family out of our vernacular, because what percentage of the church is actually living or from a traditional family? Right. Yeah. So yes, I'm 100% behind the idea of let's call more single people Mm -hmm. so that it feels more inclusive. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And then there were some questions about how maybe they could innovate the format and feel of general conference, like what would make that better Mm. for you? Um, Things about, you know, varying models of missionary service, which we've heard a lot about lately. And then the fourth thing that she noted that she thought was very interesting was the institutional authority versus the relational authority questions were very, very clear. Like they're trying to get to the bottom of, um, do you have good relationships with your local leaders? And also, how do you feel about like the general institution, like what's coming from Salt Lake? Yes. Um, because she said from her survey in the past, uh, that she had done that there are really good, strong levels between local leadership, but sometimes there's a disconnect between Salt Lake and what's coming from the greater church. So they're trying to get to the bottom of, you know, is there a disconnect there and how could they bridge that? It's called the correlation committee. (laughs) So... Very interesting findings. I just want to know all the things about the church. I just want all the information. I really wish I knew someone inside the statistics department. Statistical analysis here. Of the church. I miss my calling. I could never do that, though, because I could not pass stats in high school. But I really just want to know the information. Okay, that seems fair. All right. Well, let's move. That is that is completely fascinating. Yeah, and really interesting. We will huh? probably never know the results, but no. interesting that the church is even thinking and really thinking outside the box mm-hmm. as to how they can meet the needs of members between eighteen and thirty-five. Oh, definitely. And and keep them it's engaged. Like such a crucial age yeah. group and such a just tricky yeah. age group to yeah. to keep engaged. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So our next story is about Sean Bradley. He is a former BYU and NBA star. And um, this story broke within the last seven days, but it was an accident that happened back in January. So he lives in St. George, Utah. He was out riding his bike. He was involved in an accident where he was struck and um, it resulted in him being paralyzed. And so sad. And he spent, I believe, eight weeks in the hospital. Um, he has been undergoing, he underwent neck fusion surgery and he was hospitalized for eight weeks and is now working on, um, rehabilitation. And I'm, I'm kind of amazed at a couple of things. I'm amazed that when this accident happened in January, that the media in St. George or somebody in St. George didn't, didn't, didn't release this, that we didn't find out about this. I just this. heard about it this week for the exactly, first time. Exactly, yeah. This was the first week that it even came out. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of interesting how it came out because it came out through, I believe, the Mavericks, which is the team that he used to play for. And, of course, you know, then the well wishes started pouring in. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, was he forced to release this this week because mm-hmm. it was finally coming to the public or did he just think, okay, well, you know, things have stabilized. I have a better idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to get out at some point in time. So I might as well, might as well release it. Um, there was a story that broke today that gave a little bit more details of the accident because 
When this news initially broke last week, there were no details of the accident. And I'm like, how in the world did this happen? It just said he was paralyzed mm-hmm. and he was rehabilitating. And I'm like, well, how did it happen? Right. So today, I believe it was the Deseret News did a public records request for the police report. And they were able to get the police report. He does a lot of biking. And he mm-hmm. was biking. And he was only about a block from his house. And so he's going down the road, and there is a vehicle, it was a Saturn is what they said, that was parked on the side of the road, and Mm -hmm. the Saturn was legally parked, and there was a van that was coming down the road going the same direction he was. Well, the driver of the van swears up and down she didn't hit him, Mm -hmm. but yet she has a fresh scratch mark on her van that seems to be consistent with perhaps handlebar marks, because what happened is the van strikes him. He ends up striking the back of the Saturn. He flies over the top of the Saturn and lands. Now, there was a person sitting in the Saturn when it happened. They didn't see the van strike him. All they see is Sean coming over across the Mm -hmm. top of their car and landing. And so, you know, they immediately got him the medical attention, but... um, just very sad oh, that so sad. that he was paralyzed, and the doctors are telling him they've advised him that his road to recovery will be long and arduous, perhaps even more difficult, um, a, a more difficult physical challenge than playing professional basketball. Wow, that's kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. But it also said in the article that um, he plans to use his accident as a platform to bring greater public awareness to the importance of bicycle safety. Well, yeah. So um, we wish him well. Um, If you may recall, he is, um, he's seven foot six. In fact, he had to have custom bikes made for him because he is so tall. So I'm kind of thinking he's going to have to have custom wheelchairs made for him as well. So anyway, we, we wish him the best in his recovery because that is, uh, it's sad and unfortunate. Yeah, it is. All right. Next story we have, um, the church released some more information this past week about the Salt Lake Temple, which as you know, is being renovated for many, many years. (laughs) Well, you know what? Actually, I think they released that last week oh, when it was they last week. Well, they released it last week when they said they weren't going to do any more live sessions and they were going to get rid of the murals. Oh. So this information was kind of overlooked was because week. everybody was upset about the murals That's being right. removed. Jeff didn't talk about this, did he? No, he did not talk about this. He was very upset about. He the was murals. very upset, and rightfully so. Yes. I'm I'm kind of upset about the murals too. I'm sad about the murals. I'm not so sad about the live session. But Have you ever done a live session? I've done it once. So I've never done it, a live session. It was never anything that like I felt attached to. Well, <laughs> and never, apparently never ever will I have the opportunity to do a live session. <laughs> that ship has uh, sailed. All right. So apparently this came out last week, uh, but the Salt Lake Temple will actually have two baptistries. And this will be the first temple to have two baptistries. Um, of all the temples, but they said that they'll be able to obviously accommodate more than double the usual number and that just um, temples everywhere, temple baptistries are so busy, which you know, you worked in the laundry of the temple baptistry. Yes. Um, So these will actually be in an annex. 
yeah. next to the temple, not actually inside the temple. Exactly. Which and they said where, is not unusual. Many temples have a little annex annex to the side they that do. have their baptistry. So, And where the current baptistry is located, that baptistry is going to turn into some ordinance rooms. So they are like completely removing the baptistries right. to another area, which is good because I we did baptistries one time in the Salt Lake Temple with mm-hmm. our kids. And... I mean, it was clearly built in a pioneer era where people and everything were much smaller. Oh, it was, was it so tiny. Oh, it was it was tight, <laughs> and the 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 font was like I I mean, you had to climb stairs. And oh, I've never done baptisms there. Anyway, yeah, I was kind of fascinated by the whole thing. Anyway, which obviously then will f- also free up more space for yes. more ordinance rooms, and everything will they'll just be able to hold a lot more people there. So exactly, that's exciting. Yes, and that was like I said, overlooked in all of the other news that yes. uh, what they will they will double their baptistry, which yes. is cool because a lot of youth groups like to do those special mm-hmm. trips to the Salt Lake Temple, yep. and it sounds like this will um, be able to accommodate them even more. I also remember the baptistry dressing rooms in the Salt Lake Temple. Holy cow, they were like the size of a. Uh, they they were teeny tiny. Mm-hmm. Again, I was thinking to myself, these weren't built for people of our day and our size. <laughs> so it was a tight squeeze. Definitely not COVID friendly. No. Okay. You have other Salt Lake Temple yes. news that's not really news, but. Well, so it Tad tried, Walsh. It tried to be news. It tried to be news. <laughs> it failed. Let's just put it that way. So Tad Walsh of the Deseret News, his the our title for his article is, Moroni's trumpet fail went, fail, fell one year ago. Where is the statute and what's statue now and what's happened since? So he reminded us that on March 18th, 2020, there was a little earthquake in, in Utah. And when that little earthquake in Utah happened, Moroni's trumpet, as you know, fell and Utah lost its ever-loving mind, thinking that the world was coming to an end when Moroni lost his, his, his trumpet. And he didn't really lose it. It just fell down. So he says, Tad Walsh, uh, <coughs> excuse me. In fact, the statue is no longer in place atop the temple as it continues to undergo renovation. So where are the trumpet and the statute and what is next? He then never proceeds to tell us where the trumpet and the statue they're are. They're in a warehouse. That's all he said. That's that is all he said. Is <laughs> they're in a warehouse, and they'll reappear eventually. They're getting renovated, <laughs> and they'll reappear eventually. And but I'm like, what was interesting in that article? I did go down a little bit of a rabbit hole because he talked about the time capsule that was inside. Oh yeah, I didn't the read base the time capsule. Of the statue. How did I miss this? Appar- I don't know. Apparently, they opened it last summer, like in July. Huh. And President Nelson was there while these like historians opened it with their little tweezers and gloves. Oh, that's and- right. And I heard there was a lot of stuff that was ruined because yeah. it had gotten wet. See, I don't remember hearing anything about this. So huh. I went down the rabbit hole and was like reading the article about the time capsule and all the things huh. that did get ruined. Interesting. But then I thought, well, are we going to do another? I bet we do. I like the idea of a time capsule. I like capsule. the idea of a time capsule. And maybe maybe now we have a better understanding of of, of moisture and the time yeah. capsule will be like hermetically sealed. Maybe. Plus, we also have Ziploc bags. <laughs> will that do the trick? I mean, I don't, I don't know. No, because I'm thinking <laughs> the plastic's going to deteriorate and destroy. That's true. You know, because they always tell you, you know, acid-free when you're doing photos. <laughs> so I can't imagine that Ziploc baggies are going to would work. Anyway, 
I hope we redo this time capsule. I hope so too. Okay, so you're next. Okay, we have um, last week. No. Oh, what are we've we on? got. We've, oh, we're on vaccines. I was gonna skip. Do vac- not skip vaccines. <laughs> Maybe that was like subconsciously me not wanting to discuss. <laughs> because here we are. <laughs> we've graduated from mask debates to vaccine debate. <laughs> yes, we have. So um, this was actually really. Really interesting. Jeff posted on the TWIM Facebook page a few days ago. Um, and this uh, is making the rounds all over the internet. Yes, it's it's making the rounds. Uh, a picture of the from the friend website or the friend app this month of a, it says, I can share the gospel. And there's like the standard friend cartoon drawing. of Which a, you could download and have your kids color. Yes, of a doctor um, giving a child a shot in the arm. Clearly a vaccine. Also, the child's wearing a mask. So this is not an old stock photo. No, no. This <laughs> or if is it not. is, they updated it and put a mask on the child. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, they had posted this on the website. Some other person, her name was Jamie Hepworth, had reposted it um, with a call to action from the anti-vaxxers. Um, she said, I was just informed that this picture was meant to be included in the friend magazine for June, but was mistakenly included on the friend app for April. If enough of us mobilize to communicate that this pharmaceutical, that pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical propaganda is not appropriate for children to see, especially parading as the means of sharing the gospel and believing in Christ and being brave that we can sway some decisions and hopefully prevent it from being printed in June. Who will help? And then she listed um, the telephone numbers to call. Yes. The Friend Magazine. The Friend Magazine, the Melchizedek Priesthood Department, the Leahona Editorial Office, the Publication Assistance to the Friend phone number. I'm like, whoa, she got quite the list of phone numbers. (laughs) And yeah. uh, I'm at a loss for words. Apparently, she thinks the church is uh, pro-big pharma. Yes. And that this uh, coloring page is, uh, is uh, um, what is the word I'm thinking of, in support of the evil big pharma. Right. Well, a couple months ago, we you dived into the scary comments on President Nelson. When President Nelson got the vaccine. Facebook page, when he got the vaccine. So clearly, this is the same crowd. Anyway. Well, and, and what's interesting, I, I mean, here is just, I'm just like, and I'm going to follow up in my next story, it kind of, cause it kind of goes along with this a little bit that we talk about is that, um, uh, the church has been very pro vaccine starting in 1978. There is a statement that they made in 1978 where they said, um, the Church of Jesus Christ has recognized the importance of vaccines and immunizations for decades. We urge members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to protect their own children through immunization. Right. Is that not exactly what this picture is depicting? I know. This picture is depicting what the First Presidency said in 1978. I am unaware that that has changed <laughs> since 1978. I am guessing based on the fact that Elder Nelson, President Nelson and <clears throat> presumably, <coughs> excuse me, at this point in time, 
every other member of the 12 mm-hmm. has received a COVID vaccine. I know. And the fact that you know the church for many years has donated millions for, for vaccine- vac- vaccinations in other countries. Yeah. So super interesting. So the comments then on the TWIM Facebook posts, um, there were some interesting things. One person, I can't remember the name. I should have written it down, but made the comment like, um, you know, the prophet says, let's pray for a miracle to end this. And the church does and other people do. And then vaccines come vaccines come out and people say, oh, no, that's not how we wanted. (laughs) That's not the miracle we wanted. So and then somebody else um, posted a link to a blog, um, just an opinion piece on a blog by a guy named C. Randall Nicholson. And his blog is called Talking to Myself in Public. And he wrote an article called Follow the Prophet Even When He Shills for Big Pharma. And it was a really good opinion piece. And he had lots of statistics in there and facts about, you know, what the church has done to support vaccines over the years. And this is not anything new. Exactly. Calm down, everybody. Exactly. But (laughs) you know what? I'm sorry. It's really true. We, We prayed for a miracle. And then there are those who are like, well, that's not the miracle I wanted. I'm like... At last time I checked, you don't get to ask God which miracle he's going to give you. I know. You know what? And it's so hard. There's just so much false media, false stuff out there. Like, I know the sweetest lady in my ward, and she's been cooped up forever, and we went and saw her recently. And I said, oh, did you get your vaccine yet? And she said, oh, no. And she listed some of the stuff she's been listening to. And I just wanted to be like, someone needs to take away her internet. Exactly. (laughs) She's being swayed. I don't know. She was listening to some pretty out there stuff. And it was really scaring her. Like her fear was very real. And not to discount that fear. But again, yeah, it is. It's, 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 um, it is, it boggles my mind, which then brings me to my next story that I want to talk about, which is the danger of trading religion for politics. And I have just been bugged by this, especially in the last year, because, and, and it came to a fevered pitch in October. And then we, of course, have seen it several times since then, where, um, uh, uh, you know, People have really turned to politics as their form of religion. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was a there was an opinion piece that was in the Deseret News. And then there was also a second article in the Deseret News that talks about a podcast that Utah's Governor Spencer Cox um, participated in. And in this opinion piece, the, the writer says, the problem, some would say, is not just the rise of politics and the fall of faith. Politicians are not inherently bad, nor are American Americans all thesis. But as politics replaces faith fueled by hate and irony danger, um, it, it isn't lost on the politicians themselves. And then he goes on to talk about Spencer Cox. So Spencer Cox did a podcast, which I am going to recommend that everybody go listen to Spencer Cox's podcast. He did this with Matt Lewis, who um, is has a column, a Daily Beast column. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to tell you, every time Spencer Cox opens his mouth, I think to myself, 
I want one of those. You have like a political crush on him. Oh, I am seriously <laughs> fangirling over Spencer Cox. Like every time he opens his mouth, the words that come out, I'm like, yes, that is exactly how I feel. How can I clone you? How can I get my very own Spencer Cox to be a politician here in Idaho? Can we order like about 50 of them to come lead in Idaho? <laughs> yeah, and replace some of the members of the House of, uh, of, in the House of Representatives. That would be ideal. We're struggling right now. We're struggling. Anyway, and so here are a couple of things that Spencer Cox has to say in that podcast is he says, first of all, there hasn't been very much interesting policy work going on on the right. It seems that we've defined ourselves in opposition to whatever the left is doing. We've lost whatever moral high ground we have. And Spencer Cox is very well read, Mm -hmm. very well versed, and likes interesting policy thought and debate. And he says, when it becomes religion to you, then anybody who disagrees is a heretic and evil. It becomes this life or death, eternal struggle. And when our team loses, it's even worse. It's not just, we'll get them next year. No, it's this has eternal consequences. That's so true because that is just the vibe it's had. Exactly. For the past year. It is not... It feels so different yeah. than it used to feel. You're it's either, so personal. And it is. People take it so personally. And, you know, who we elect is going mm-hmm. to determine if our country is going to fall into communist socialism control. Right. And, and, and it's just, um, you're either right or wrong. You're either mm-hmm. black or white. There is nothing good that the op, no good idea or thought can come out of the mm-hmm. opposition. They're all just evil. And, and it has, it's become so much of a religion. And it's just really sad to me to, to see that devise. Mm-hmm. And, um, Spencer Cox says, we may not have any real friends and we may not know our neighbors, but at least we can hate the same people together on Facebook. And that's bringing people together in this new type of religion. And there is a lot of truth to that. So, you know, and I'm not sure how we, how we how we re-steer that boat. Right. How do we reel it back in? Yeah. How do you reel it back in? How do you get it back? You know, the only way to do it is to have a bunch of politicians like Spencer Cox. Right. You've got to elect people who are willing to compromise. Exactly. Meet in the middle. and Exactly. Or one of the things that I like about Spencer Cox is it seems to me he always listens to everybody's opinion. Mm -hmm. That does not mean he agrees with them, but he at least listens and understands. And sometimes that's three quarters of the battle right there is Mm -hmm. someone can tell you no, but if you felt like you've been heard, you take that no a little better than if you're just been, you know, Mm -hmm. bullied or, or pigeonholed into something. Right. Yeah. So... Anyway, we will have Jeff link the podcast. I, like I said, everybody needs to go listen to this Spencer Cox interview. And I'm the first to admit, huge fan girl. Okay. I'm going to go listen. That sounds very good. Okay. Not to circle back to vaccines, but to circle back to vaccines. Okay. Do you think there will be any direct mention in conference in two weeks? Oh. What's your theory? Oh, I had not thought about that. 
I do think that they will mention the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like, will they mention this is the miracle we've prayed for? I think that's what we will get, is I think we will get it as I mean, a I'm, reference. I'm sure they won't be like, they would never say, everybody yeah. go out and get this, because yeah. they're very, you know, agency and personal choice. Exactly. But will they circle back to, we prayed for this miracle, we got this miracle? I think that that's what we'll get is I, mm-hmm. I'm going to predict in two, possibly three talks. This mm-hmm. is my general conference prediction. In two, possibly three talks, we will get a veiled reference to the vaccine being a miracle. Mm-hmm. It will be thrown in there with a bunch of other little goodies, not the main topic of the talk, right. but just thrown in just as- Just a quick little side note. Just a quick little side note. <laughs> we all have the vaccine. It's a miracle. We're very, very thankful to, to, uh, uh, to, to the Lord for answering our prayers sort yeah. of a thing. It will be definitely interesting to watch. Yes. Very interesting. Good question there. Okay. Uh, next article, a quick uh, little write-up about the Youth Music Festival that took place last week. This was a worldwide musical tour with messages of hope and light. This was broadcast um, throughout the world. Now, my ward, young women watched it for mutual. My daughter didn't go because she had soccer. So we turned it on on Sunday for her to watch at our house. I missed most of it because I had other things going on, but I did come down and caught like maybe the last 10 minutes of it. And right as I walked in, the musical number I saw was the closing number, which was President Nelson playing the piano, um, playing the hymn Hope of Israel on the piano. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love that hymn. It's it's, it's on my it's on my tops. He played a couple others too, I think, uh-huh. but that was the closing one. But I just I walked into the room with President Nelson playing and I was like, "Oh, man. I'm sad I missed this." And but I was informed that that was probably the highlight. Oh, I mean, they said it was good. There were lots of good performances. Yeah. But, I mean, who can beat the prophet playing the piano. That's very true. That is a rare treat we don't always get to see. I think the last time we saw it is when he played with um with that little girl, oh, yes, Claire. yes, at Christmas time. Yes. That was so cute. Yes. So he, he busted out his piano, which I love. And then he gave a brief message um, about gathering Israel and um, acting on spiritual impressions and reaching out to other people and bringing them in. And um, so it was really sweet. And then they had a choir of youth around the world via Zoom, all mashed together, Aww. singing Hope of Israel in different languages. So... I missed all of the other musical numbers, which I hear from my family. Some of them were pretty uh, pop. Oh. Pretty Christian pop-like. Really? <laughs> what, what hymns of praise or songs of praise? How do they call that? I don't remember they how they call, call that. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, Christian pop, pop. Rock Christian, I don't know. Some of them were pretty upbeat like that. Interesting. Not all of them, but. Yes. Well, and for those of you so. who missed it and want to watch it, I believe it is available on the church's yes. YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So just hop on your old internet and get on your YouTube and you can watch that. Um, they did the same thing in my ward. They had mm-hmm. the boys. Um, we had all the priests at my house because my husband is in charge of the priests. Oh. So um, 
I was not permitted to watch oh, with the priests. You did not get I, invited. I did not make the gender cut, apparently. <laughs> I was permitted to make them treats, just not permitted to um, participate when they were watching, which I'm not complaining about that. I did not want I did not want to sit in there with a bunch of teenage boys watching the youth music festival. Oh. That that would not necessarily be on my top ten list of things to do, but uh, but the boys all seemed to enjoy mm-hmm. it and had a good time. So. Yeah. Okay. So our next story uh, ties into the next Netflix uh, documentary, Murder Among Mormons. And I realize Jeff has talked about this. And right. for those of you who are unaware, um, I believe it is three-part series that Netflix did recounting the 1980 bombings and Mark Hoffman and his forgeries. So there is a little known story about Mark Hoffman's wife that um, Tad Walsh uh, from the Deseret News did, and it came out in early March, but it hasn't been talked about on this show. And there is a lot about this story that I just thoroughly enjoy Mm -hmm. just because of the message. So um, as you know, um, Mark Hoffman to kind of, um, he was getting some pressure to produce these documents that he said he had, but he hadn't forged them yet. And so he was trying to buy himself some time. So he decides to make some bombs. And one of those bombs kills a gentleman by the name of um, Steve Christensen. And this went off um, in the judge building in downtown Salt Lake. And Christensen, I didn't realize how young he was. He was 31 years old. He was a bishop. He had little kids, you know, and 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 this kind of thriving business. Mm-hmm. And at the time that Mark Hoffman did this, he was married. He had three children. His oldest was a son, and then he had two daughters. And his wife was pregnant at the time with a with a third daughter. And so, you know, in addition to disrupting the life of the two individuals and their families that he killed, um, his wife really had no idea that any of this was going on. Right. And initially kind of stood behind by him because she couldn't believe he'd be responsible for this and then obviously came to realize that he was. So he gets sent off to prison and all of a sudden she is a single mom with four children. Right. And they got divorced. They got she, divorced. She, filed she for did divorce. divorce him. And so she is, she then has to, you know, support herself and her kids. And so she is working in a business. She's kind of working, doing a lot of um, kind of energy healing work and whatnot. And she's working with a group of women in a building in Mill Creek, which is south of Salt Lake. Well, the judge who sentenced Mark Hoffman to life in prison was a judge known as Ringtrup, and he retired from the bench, and he was a mediator, and he had his mediation office in this same building. And so she became friends with him, which was, you know, kind of amazing. Right. He would counsel with her, and and it was kind of really healing for her to Mm -hmm. have this friendship with this judge. So her oldest son gets called on a mission to Germany in the year 2000. She's obviously very excited about this. Um, she shares with the judge, he got called to Germany. I'm so excited. You know, I've worked with my family members and we're going to be able to cover the monthly cost. But she said, he has this whole list of missionary items he has to get. And I just don't know how I'm going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And the judge says to her, he says, um, let me make a phone call to Mac Christensen. Now, Mac Christensen is the owner of Mr. Mac. Mr. Mac, if you've ever spent any time in Utah, you know who Mr. Mac is. You know who Mr. Mac is. He owns Missionary Mecca. Missionary Mecca clothing store. 
And and I didn't realize that was his son. Yeah, that was his son that was killed. So the judge says to her, I'm going to call up Matt Christensen. Mm-hmm. And Matt Christensen is, was very well known. He's mm-hmm. since passed away, but was very well known in Utah. And um, so he calls up Mac and he says, you know, hey, this is Judge so-and-so. And um, well, first of all, Mark Hoffman's wife, Dory, says to the judge, do you really think he'd do that? Mm-hmm. And the judge says, yes, I do. So he calls up Mac and he says, well, Mac, I've got an anonymous missionary who's uh, with a struggling single mom. He needs to be outfitted for a mission. Um, do you think you could help him up and help him out? And mm-hmm. he says, Mac was very eager to help. But then at the end of the call, the judge tells Mac, he said, well, I want you to know who you are helping. He said, this is Dory Old's son. So he said, you know, this is Mark Hoffman's son Mm -hmm. you're helping. And he said, you know, there was a long pause on the part of Mac, which you can kind of imagine there would be. And he says, well, I need to talk to my family about this. Mm -hmm. And so he goes and he talks to his family and he calls the judge back up and he says, yes, we we will help her out. And so she says that the family... Mac wasn't there, but Spencer, his son, was there. This is Steve Christensen's Mm -hmm. brother. She went to the store with her mother and her son and gave them the list, and they got everything on the list. They put it on a pile on the counter. She never saw a price tag. She never saw an invoice. She never knew how much it was. She said they were very kind to her. Mm-hmm. For her, it was very awkward because what do you say? You know, so awkward. Yeah. Sorry, my husband killed your brother, you know, yeah. but she said she was very, very grateful that day and they were very, very kind. One of the things that they asked her is they said, please don't tell anybody about this, you mm-hmm. know, because they weren't doing it for the publicity. And she says, I won't. So several years go by and she doesn't share the story. And then she's at a symposium. And at this symposium, it's a symposium on the Hoffman bombings. And at this symposium, they start talking about forgiveness. And mm-hmm. several of the other people who were involved and had been tricked by Mark Hoffman were at this symposium talking about forgiveness, and she felt like she had to say something. And so she broke her promise, and she said what happened. And mm-hmm. and by then, en- enough years had passed. The family was fine with it. But then, from the family's perspective, um, Spencer shared um, in the book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness by Elder Neil Anderson, this is what he has to say, and this is what touched me. Mm-hmm. And every time I read this, I can hardly read it without crying. So let's hope I don't cry. Okay. He says... That young man may have received free clothing, but the gift I received was priceless. I felt no anger or hatred towards his father. That burden was not mine to carry. This was about doing what the Savior would do. Mm -hmm. And I just, that so touches me because I just think, you know, how kind was the Lord to put Dory in the path of the judge Mm -hmm. so the judge could connect her with Christensen so she could get the help she needed and the Christensen family could get that forgiveness right. and that healing that they needed. You know, the clothing was nothing to them. The fact that mm-hmm. they were able to do this and act as the Savior act would act for literally, you know, a man who killed, they're helping the son of the man who killed their son and their brother. Yeah. What is more Christ-like? And so I just, I just loved that story. And there was another interesting kind of tidbit that was dropped at the end of the article. 
Dory Olds talks about that she sat down for an interview with KSL and it said KSL plans to air an interview with her soon about God's place in her story. Mm -hmm. And she has seen the interview and she said it was really good. What I'm wondering is, you know how they always have those half-hour specials between conference, oh. and Carol Makita, their religion reporter, goes out and does these... Do you think it would be this? I'm wondering if it's going to be this. That would be a very timely thing for her to do. It would be, but it would be really interesting to put it between conference. Well, it would be, except uh-huh. if the focus is on how God... Right. Has changed her and helped heal her. That would be a very uplifting story you yeah. would want to hear between conference. So I'm kind of super curious mm. if this is going to be a Carol Makita conference special. Well, we'll have to watch and see. This uh, This is another prediction of mine. I'm placing I'm placing a bet that this okay. is a Carol Makita conference All special. Right. I'll have to pay attention between sessions. But yeah, that story was so cool. And it yeah. said, you know, she said in in the article that they had filmed all that for Netflix, but it just got the cut because yeah. there just wasn't enough time and they couldn't show yeah. it all. But um, what an amazing story. Yeah, so, seriously. I would love to see that follow-up interview with her. I, mm-hmm. I really, I really would too. And there's just, mm-hmm. to me, there's so much in that story that talks about grace and forgiveness and how we as human beings need to exemplify Christ. And it's just one of my favorite stories I've read in a long time. Yeah, it was really cool. Okay, last little shout out we have here is um, American Idol. Apparently it's happening right now. I have not been keeping up. I have not been keeping up Apparently either. there were a lot of church members on this season that um, made it all the way to Hollywood Week. The Mormons were killing it. There were seven of them. And then as of last night, I guess last night was the first night in Hollywood, that seven went down to three that are oh. still surviving, that are LDS. So one is named Leah Hona. From Utah, his uh, or her brother was also on Leahona and Ammon, but the brother got voted off, but she stayed. Leahona's Leahona's made it through week one of Hollywood. Leahona's still going. Uh, who else is still there? Abby LeBaron. No, no, she got voted Flip off. Flip to the next page. No, next page after that. Oh. It was a married couple, There's and pages. only oh, only one half right. of the married couple survived Hollywood Week. Grayson and Lizzie O'Very. Lizzie's the one who survived and Hollywood. Survived. Well, that's rough on your marriage. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you think it's rough on your brother-sister relationship, try on your marriage. Yeah. And there was one other Utah, but I don't believe he was a member of the church. So So. anyway, if you're an American Idol fan, uh, check them out. Okay. I'm sure we'll see some clips. The farther they get, I'm sure we'll see some more clips floating around. I'm sure we will. Okay, we are now going to move on to one of my very favorite segments of the show, Mormons Behaving Badly. Oh, yes. I got two this time. I'm going to start off with my Mormon behaving badly, and then I am going to award a Lifetime Achievement Award (laughs) in the category of Mormons behaving badly. This is not an award you want, people. No, you should not aspire to this. But let's talk about our first one. Now, you may remember last month I talked about the legislator who did bunny ears. Well, Just, you know, the legislature in Idaho, there are a lot of LDS members, and they never fail to disappoint in their Mormons Uh, behaving badly. Especially this session, I'm telling you, they are killing it this session with their... We could do a whole episode on Mormons behaving badly in the Idaho legislature. We should disclaimer that majority of the Mormons in the Idaho legislature are from the eastern side of the state. That is very true. (laughs) Sorry, Jared Gillins. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So this particular gentleman, his name is Kevin Cook. He is a senator from Idaho Falls. Now, this last Friday, our legislature had to adjourn because they had an outbreak of COVID. So they are on a two-week uh, timeout, COVID timeout, oh, so God to speak. So before they had their COVID timeout due to their outbreak, he acknowledges that his daughter, he's on the floor of the Senate, and he says, I'd like to acknowledge my daughter Zoe and her friends Haley and Brooke. They are all here from BYU-Idaho. They don't have anything planned tonight, so if you've got some cute grandsons that need a date, well, let me know. Creepy. <laughs> okay, let's also discuss the fact that BYU-Idaho, which is located in Rexburg, is currently number three in the nation for per copa per capita COVID positive tests. So let's take three girls from a COVID hotspot. Let's bring them to Boise to a second COVID hotspot, the Idaho legislature, and let's invite them to party on. I don't think I need to say anything more. No. All right. Now we're going to talk about my lifetime achievement award winner. My lifetime achievement award winner in the category of Mormons behaving badly is Ammon Bundy. Also an Idahoan. Also an Idahoan. Gosh, Idaho, get your act together. Seriously. <laughs> so he shows up last Monday. So you may recall last year in August, we had a special session here in Idaho. Uh, he got arrested for trespassing at the Idaho State House because he was making a ninny of himself. So he was set to have a trial on his trespassing charges this last Monday. Uh, a week ago. Except for the fact that when he showed up to the courthouse... He was told you have to wear a mask to enter the courthouse because the Supreme Court in Idaho has said you have to wear a mask to enter the courthouse. And gosh darn it, it is illegal to tell him to wear a mask to enter the courthouse. So he chose to stay outside the courthouse, which resulted in the judge issuing a failure to appear warrant, which resulted in the deputies then going down to the steps of the courthouse and arresting him in a mayhem and bedlam of all of his supporters trying to stop the arrest. Mm -hmm. Then he gets taken to jail, and at the jail, he gets thrown in the holding cell and complains about the conditions there. The only reason he was holding thrown in the holding cell was because he refused to cooperate with the booking process. So he is my lifetime achievement award winner for Mormons behaving badly. Plus there is a video floating around YouTube of prior to this medlem breaking out on the steps of the courthouse, <laughs> the courthouse him saying a prayer. Oh yes. Oh yes. His, he and his supporters say an LDS prayer. Saying a prayer, which definitely sounds like an LDS prayer. Although we've speculated before about his actual activity in the church. True. Due to the fact that he doesn't you know, follow, he doesn't follow rules. <laughs> I've got some peeps who live in Emmett. I should, that's where he is, where he lives. I should find out from my peeps in Emmett if he's actually on the, if he's actually like, does Act, he, does he actively active. attending or does he have his own branch? Cause that's what I really see. I think he's my speculation. I think he's got an offshoot. He's got I, his own little church group going on. I up could there. see him having Can't an offshoot. Can't you see that? Oh, yeah. I could totally see that. <laughs> anyway, so yes, Lifetime Achievement Award to Ammon Bundy. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> With the follow-up of Idahoans, get your act together. Get it together, people. You're making like Utah look amazing with their amazing governor and- Exactly. Somewhat functioning legislator. Exactly. I'm assuming. Yeah, no, they're they're compared to ours, yeah, they're they're functioning. 
Anyways, okay. And, and I want to file a disclaimer here. My beef with the legislature is the House of Representatives, not so much the Senate. Okay, yeah. disclaimer filed. Let's yeah. move on to our favorite things. <laughs> okay, my favorite thing for the month that I'm going to share is an Instagram page. It is called oh. Paige Payne Creations, and Paige is an artist, and she mainly dabbles in watercolors. Ooh. Um, I mean, she is a professional artist. Uh-huh. This is her career. She sells prints, and she sells um, originals and beautiful watercolors. But every Thursday, she does something called Paint with Paige, Oh, and she does like an hour-long tutorial <gasps> Oh, I want to watch this. Watercolor painting. I love watercolors, and, and I want to learn how to watercolor I paint. Oh, so I did one. We need to watch this together. We should do this together. I we did need to have Sister Art Night. We do. Let's do it during Priesthood Session. <laughs> oh, except we're watching Steel Magnolias oh, yeah. during Priesthood Session. So anyway, she's fabulous. She does these art t- t- tutorials. I did one a couple months ago, and I loved it. It was just like some florals. Oh. Um but she, I think she's a really good teacher. She uses like pretty basic supplies. Does she save them in her stories so you can yeah. like go to her stories? Yeah. Oh, that, perfect. That's how I got the one that I did. I just went back into the stories and I just found one that I liked. Or they're on her post. They're okay. on her actual post. Okay. You can go back and find one you like and paint whatever you, you oh. want. Anyway, she is so fun and so cute. And I love her style. She's just a gorgeous, has a gorgeous style of art. Okay. I'm going to so, have to go look this up. Go look her up. Okay, so mine for the month, I am wearing them right now. This is called the Impress Nails. This is, so it is a, it is, it is a, it's not like a nail sticker because it's. I think it's, you've shared these before. Did I share? I'm not sure you I shared did. these before. I think so, but share them again because they're good. Uh, they are good. Well, and well, maybe it used, you didn't share them. I don't, I don't think know. I've ever shared them. So it is, it's a stick on manicure. So it's an actual nail itself. It has this back that you pull off and you stick it onto your nail, but it's not like a sticker because it, it's actually like a hard piece of like plastic that goes over your nail. It's like a Press on nail. It's like a press but on a nail. A new and improved press a on nail. A new and improved and the and these the, are not your 80s press on nails. These are not your 80s press on nails. And the length is really reasonable. And when I put them on, I can usually get seven to ten days out of them. And it always looks like I have a nice fresh manicure. And they run about six bucks at Walmart. And there's 30 nails in the package. And I can easily get two wears mm-hmm. out of the package. So that's like three bucks a week for a manicure. Yeah. That looks like amazing and doesn't chip off. So they're awesome. I that is my I, favorite I thing. Also highly recommend them. Yes. And the new thing that they've come out with is they used to have like, you know, they'd have their regular nail set and then they'd have like a designer nail for like your ring finger. And I don't like that. I like just a really nice manicure. Mm-hmm. They've got a new line where they don't have any of the fancy frilly stuff. Yes. They just have colors. And so it all, you, I can always look like I have a really nice manicure because my regular fingernails are just kind of crap. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend the Very impress nail. Fun. Okay. We will we will not we will have Jeff put a link in the show notes yes. and we will also um uh, put we'll it on our twim Instagram post it page. On our twim sisters Instagram page. Yes. yes. 
Well, I think that about wraps it up for us tonight. That is it. We'll see you on the other side of conference. Exactly. And thank you so much for listening. And And as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Jeff at uh, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. And if you're feeling particularly generous, please become a Patreon subscriber for two bucks a month and help us keep the lights on. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.